It happened many years ago, but I remember the encounter as if it occurred yesterday. I happened to be in Warwick one afternoon, and I ran into a married couple that I knew from the northern part of the state. We began to talk, and during our conversation, the wife said to me at one point, Father Ray, please keep us in your prayers. My husband and I have been trying to have children for nine years. Tomorrow I'm undergoing in vitro fertilization for the fourth time. Please pray that it works this time so that we can finally have a child. Well, immediately yours truly was put on the spot. That's because the Catholic Church, in the name of Jesus Christ, not in its own name, but in the name of Jesus, the Catholic Church teaches that in vitro fertilization is immoral. Now let's be clear about it. The desire to have children, the desire to overcome fertility, is a good desire. But as St. Paul teaches clearly in his letter to the Romans, we may never use an evil means to attain a good end. For as the old saying goes, the end does not justify the means. IVF is an evil means. Why is that? Well, it's not because technology is involved. The Church is not against technology as such. In fact, Jesus, through his Church, teaches that some medical methods of treating infertility are quite acceptable. But any method which replaces the marital act is immoral. And IVF does that, unfortunately. Children are conceived not through the loving union of two parents, they're conceived in a petri dish. There are other immoral dimensions to this procedure. For example, the method that's normally used to obtain sperm is immoral, as is the practice of destroying some of the eggs that are fertilized. Lest we forget, to destroy a fertilized human egg is to destroy a human being, made in the image and likeness of God. Well, as gently as I could, I tried to explain all of this to the woman and her husband. And needless to say, they were devastated. The wife finally said to me, Father Ray, do you hate us? Do you hate us for having done this three times? Will you think less of us when you see us in the future? I said, of course not. You are wonderful people. You're great people. Besides, in the past, you didn't realize that this was wrong, as many Christians today don't realize that it's wrong. Then she added this comment, which I will never, ever forget. She said, but Father Ray, our priest told us that it was okay. We went to see him before we did any of this. And he said that as long as they intended to put all the fertilized eggs back, it would be fine. I'm glad nobody was taking my blood pressure at that moment. Let me tell you, I was livid. Not at the couple, at the priest, who should have known better. You see, instead of telling these two people the truth, instead of being courageous and giving them the right message, he told them what he thought they wanted to hear. Probably because he didn't want to offend them. And what was the result of his compassionate act? 
Well, first of all, he put me in a terribly awkward position, which I didn't appreciate. And secondly, he made it much worse for this good, sincere couple. In trying to be a nice guy, he ultimately caused them to experience more pain when they finally learned the truth. The truth that he should have told them in the first place. Now, why do I mention this today? Well, number one, because this issue is one that many Catholics are unclear about. In fact, somebody in the parish asked me about this exact topic just a few days ago. And secondly, number two, because our second reading for this Mass is addressed to St. Timothy, who was one of the very first leaders in the Church. St. Paul wrote two letters to Timothy in which he tells the young priest how to be a true shepherd in the family of God. But nowhere in Paul's letters to Timothy does St. Paul say, Tim, be a nice guy. Don't ever offend anybody. Tell people what they want to hear. Give people an easy message. Rather, St. Paul encouraged Timothy to speak the truth in love, even if it hurt. Even if some people found it offensive. For example, in the text we just heard, he says, St. Paul says, and here I'm using the old New American Bible translation, he says, Timothy, take as a model of sound teaching what you have heard me say in faith and love in Christ Jesus. Now, Timothy must have heard St. Paul say a lot of difficult, hard things, because Paul did that on a regular basis. That's clear from his New Testament letters. St. Paul was not a wimp. He was not afraid to confront the pressing social and cultural issues of his day. And make no mistake about it, St. Paul suffered because of his honesty and truthfulness. That's why he also tells Timothy here, Never be ashamed of your testimony to our Lord, nor of me, a prisoner for his sake, but with the strength which comes from God, bear your share of the hardships which the gospel entails. In other words, Tim, if you want to be a good priest, if you intend to be a good priest, get ready to be opposed by some people when you speak the full truth of the gospel. It happened to me, it's going to happen to you. Don't think you'll be exempt. But don't be afraid either. God will give you the strength you need to deal with it. Trust in the Lord. Then a few verses later, St. Paul gives Timothy this most important instruction. He says, Guard the rich deposit of faith with the help of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. The key word there is the word guard. Notice St. Paul does not say change the deposit of faith if you feel like it. He doesn't say water down the deposit of faith if it challenges you too much. He tells Timothy to guard it. It's because neither Paul nor Timothy nor St. Peter nor anyone else had the power to change it. The same is true today. This is something many Catholics and others don't seem to understand these days. They want the Church to change her teaching on the priesthood, and on certain aspects of sexual morality. My brothers and sisters, the Church does not have the power or authority to do such thing, a thing. It never did, and it never will. All the Church can do is what Paul says here. All the Church can do is guard and promote the deposit of faith. The deposit of faith is the full gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm very confident that Timothy followed Paul's instruction. 
which means that if he had been a priest today and a married couple had come to him seeking advice and guidance on how to deal with their infertility, Timothy would not have given them the wrong advice in order to be a nice guy. He would have lovingly, gently, patiently, and courageously explained to the couple the clear teaching of the church on the matter. And then he would have helped them to explore morally acceptable options to deal with their difficult situation. Like NAPRO technology. NAPRO technology treats infertility with natural methods, which are based on good science. I ask you to pray that we will have more leaders of this type in God's family, more leaders like Paul and Timothy. And believe me, my brothers and sisters, it's in your best interest to do this, to pray for your leaders, pray for your priests, pray for your bishops, pray for your deacons. Because good priests like Timothy not only save their own souls, they also take a lot of lay people to heaven with them. Bad priests, on the other hand, do just the opposite. As we all know, we've had far too many of them in the church in recent decades. We're all painfully aware of that. St. Paul and St. Timothy, today we ask you to pray for us, and especially for our leaders, for all bishops, priests, and deacons in the church. Pray that they will speak the truth in love to their people always, as you both did. Amen.